Welcome to the Lilypad Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lilly. Every week I interview someone who is making their unique mark in the world by doing what they love and offering their gifts and talents to help support their communities. I talk to authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, musicians, and everyday people just like you who are making a difference in the world. I hope you're inspired by these conversations to get out there and do your part to make your community better. This episode contains strong language and is not intended for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. When you are in alignment with your deepest truth and your deepest integrity, your life becomes very clear. Yeah. It doesn't become easy, but it becomes clear and it becomes more simple. Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Lilypad Podcast. I know that I tell you in almost every episode that I'm excited about this interview, but I was really excited about this interview. I interviewed Traver Boehm. I've been following following Traver since about 2019, and I listen to his podcast regularly. Uh, and I also, you know, share his posts and read his posts on Instagram. So if you follow me, you've probably seen few of his posts. Trevor Boehm is a guy who knows men. He knows how they think and what's behind their behavior. And most importantly, he knows their unique challenges in the modern landscape. Trevor's the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement, which is the fastest growing men's movement in the world. He's the author of Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. And he's also a two-time TEDx speaker, a men's coach, and a podcaster. Traver draws upon an eclectic background that ranges from professional bodyguarding and mixed martial arts to a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and meditation. Traver also counsels men, women, and couples on how to better understand men's mental health and their relationship difficulties. And although he's not quite sure how to feel about the title, he has been dubbed the Man Whisperer, as he has the unique ability to speak to men in a way that they can hear and understand. And I absolutely know that this is true because last year I read Traver's book, uh, Man Uncivilized. And after listening to a few episodes of Traver's podcast, it, it's like he's clarifying things that, that I've been thinking about and struggling with for a long time. And he articulates them. And I think you'll see what I mean when, when you listen to this interview. But in 2016, after losing a pregnancy, his marriage, and his business partnership, all within weeks of each other, Trevor created a radical year-long social experiment that he called the Year to Live Project. And he wanted to answer the questions, who am I and who am I as a man? Some of the highlights of that year included volunteering with the dying as a hospice worker, meditating for 28 days straight in complete isolation, and pitch black darkness in a Guatemalan hut and living in the frigid Utah wilderness for a month with only a knife, a water bottle, and a blanket. Could you imagine that? <laughs> with a passion for people and a unique lens through which to view the human experience, Traver is a highly sought after teacher in the fields of consciousness, intimacy, and personal development. When he's not teaching workshops or radically shifting the way men experience their masculinity, Traver can be found obsessing over a single word in front of his laptop, chasing surf around the globe, and being awful at yoga. 
And as you'll find out from this interview, Traver's just a down-to-earth, in-your-face, very direct dude who I know has absolutely just had an experience on the way I view the world over the past year and a half. And I know that some of you are going to listen to this interview and maybe you're going to be bothered by it. Maybe you're going to be offended by it. But I also know that a lot of you are going to listen to this and it's going to stir something. And after you listen to this, I encourage you to go look up Traver on Instagram. He's at Traver Boehm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Look for Traver's podcast on Spotify and you'll see what I mean. He's in your face. He is direct. But in this day and age, I feel like we really need that. We need someone to talk to us about the things that we don't, that we aren't talking about. And we need someone who's direct, not someone who's passive aggressive and will just make excuses and make apologies and beat around the bush, but gets right direct to the root of the problem and encourages us to dig deeper, dig much deeper into what is really bothering us. Because sometimes, you know, as men, especially when we're angry, we're not really angry about the thing we think we're angry about. It's something so much deeper. It's something that's just, you know, been festering inside. And that's the kind of stuff that Traver likes to talk about in his podcast. So I, I hope you enjoy this interview. Without any further delay, here's Traver Boehm. Traver Boehm, welcome to the Lilypad Podcast. How are you today, sir? Quite well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the space. Yes, sir. It's a, it's a real pleasure for me to have you. Um, I first learned about you back in the end of 2019. Uh, you were a guest on Ryan Mickler's Order of Man podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was super intrigued by your story uh, that you shared on this podcast. But more importantly, there were just a lot of things that you said um, about the challenges that men face that really resonated. Um, and not long after that, I, I got a copy of your book. And man, I just, <laughs> the first time I devoured it. I mean, it was just mm. like, taking it in big swallows because I didn't want to stop. Sure. And I, I tell people who ask me about that book, um, you know, why I like it so much. And I say, well, it's almost like it awakened something that I had been ignoring in myself mm -hmm. for too long. Um, you know, it's like there, there was some part of me that I'd been neglecting mm -hmm. and there were just aspects of that book, you know, that, that sort of woke me up to that and reminded me of it is really a good way to put it. So I'm excited to have you on this podcast and to feature you as one of the guys that have that, that I've connected with really made a difference uh, in my life over the past few years. Thank you. So you have a really interesting backstory, uh, you know, that my listeners have heard about in the intro, but I'm really curious to know what really made you want to to step out and do uh, the work that you do to try to reach men. That's a great question. It, it, and I'm going to answer this directly, but it's kind of an indirect answer is that I didn't plan to. Uh, I can remember being, this is it part of my, in the middle of a separate, my marital separation. I was in Nicaragua and I'd gone down there, a good buddy of mine, when I told him what was happening, he just handed me a plane ticket. He was like, get the fuck out of here. Like you need to get out of Santa Barbara. You need to get out of your work. Just like go get away for a bit. Cause my life was as, as many men experienced just kind of falling apart around me. And 
it didn't feel like being there would help. So God bless him. He's like, here, get out of here. I have 10 million miles on United. Just go down there and surf for a little while. And so I went down there for a couple months and it was probably towards the tail end of the trip that I was out in the surf lineup. And this is Nicaragua. There's nothing around. So just picture this like almost desolate beach, but massive surf that'll just crush you. And I was thinking in my head, Jason, like, how am I going to survive this? Like, how am I going to go home to an empty house, no wife, no kid, no business, no real identity anymore? Like, how the hell am I going to survive this? And I remember like duck diving under this big wave and taking a couple of paddles and just sitting out there. I think I was crying even. And I felt and heard this like massive download that said, you're going to talk about all of it. And I was like, well, that's the wrong message for the wrong dude. Like (laughs) there must be some other guy in this surf lineup that needs to hear this because I'm a very private person and my life is very private and I like it that way. And it was exactly that. Like you will talk about everything, your challenges leading up to the divorce, the problem, the the problems you've had, the divorce, the problems, every addiction, any issues you've had, you're going to throw it out on the table. And I was like, oh. Christ. Okay. You know, like I just couldn't argue with it at that point in my life. It's like, well, doing things my way has led me to being here. So let me try doing them a different way. And so when I came home and, and, you know, longer story short, uh, time passed and I wrote my first book, which was Today I Rise, which was all about that process of kind of putting myself back together after a huge heartbreak and a huge loss. And I had a plan, brother. My plan was to teach people how to do a year to live project, which is what I did the year after the divorce. And I was going to literally take like a mastermind group. I'll take 12 people. I'll charge them 10 grand each. And for 12 months, I'm going to reorient them to live their lives as, as if it was the last one they'd ever live. Cool. I have my business idea. I'm on it. But then when I published Today I Rise, it was such an oddity to me that men just kept reaching out. It was like email, 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 Instagram. And I didn't have a big following. So it was like, man, how are you guys finding me? And and why are we talking? It was like, oh, I read your book. I'm going through a divorce. I've been drinking and doing drugs and falling apart. And you have this message that says you can actually use pain and heartbreak to build something amazing. Like, how the hell did you do it? Or guys being like, I went through what you went through, but it looks like you're thriving and I'm not. Like, help me. And I had a lot of free time on my hands. And so I would just literally, Jason, get on the phone with these guys, like random humans. Be like, hey, can I call you? And they'd be like, call me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let me call you. And I just talked to them, like, yeah, I know I went through what you're going through. And after this happened enough times, for whatever reason, I was oriented in a way that I could see where their issues were in the frame, if you hear this, of masculinity. So it's like, oh, you have shitty boundaries. Oh, you're not stepping forward as a leader. Oh, you're completely out of integrity. You have an issue with power, not an issue with money, even though you're broke. You have an issue with personal power, not an issue with sex. You have an issue of apologizing and playing small as opposed to playing on a bigger level as a man. And so this, these like pieces just kind of fell in place for whatever reason in my head. And after having enough of the same conversation, someone finally said the million dollar sentence, which was, 
you know, you should probably charge for this. And I was like, charge for what? Like, you know, charge for helping guys get through difficult times. I was like, well, that's interesting. It's not really what I want to do, but it's a cool idea. But then it just kept happening where guy kept reaching, men kept reaching out, men kept reaching out. And I had, um, I had this amazing teacher, as a little side note, that I was at a, a workshop facility called Esalen, which is in Big Sur, California. And it was a, I was with this group of people for a month. It was primarily women. And it was led by a female teacher named Kobe Kozlowski. And we lived there for a month and we worked on the, like we, we became employees of the thing in order to do classes at night. And in one exercise, Kobe put me in front of a guy and had him do some, some physicality things that he was nervous about. She goes, I want you to do it standing in front of a strong man. It's easy to claim your power in front of a woman, but do it in front of Traver. And so I just stood there in front of him and he did it. And I kind of hugged him at the end and gave him like a one sentence, not pep talk, but like what I felt from experiencing that with him. And the next morning, Kobe found me and pulled me out of, a, of a, the breakfast area and said, do you realize I've never seen what I saw last night? You need to work with men. And I was like, that's great. Thanks. It's not really what I want to do though. But Jason, enough of these things happened where finally it was like, okay, like enough taps on the shoulders, enough random notes, enough like wow, 80 guys have reached out and 20 women have reached out where two years ago, it was the opposite. And so I, I truthfully fought this. Like I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. I, I remember hiring a coach, a business coach, and I was in this business group and I was doing your live project stuff. And he said, you need to sh shoot us a quick video for the whole group telling us what you're doing and in what priority. And I swear to God, I had one, two, three, as these things I was going to do. And then I literally said, if I have any spare time after that, I may work with men. And, and I sent that in and it was like on the Facebook page and blah, blah, blah. And within two months, I launched Man Uncivilized. It was just, it was inevitable. So to answer your question in a more succinct way, I didn't plan to do it, but I listened to the whispers. I listened to the universe. I listened to my heart. I listened to God or whoever you, whatever you want to call, you know, the, the power that's running this whole show that I'm not. And finally surrendered to, okay, like there's enough signs coming at me that I can't ignore them. Let me just see what happens. And when I did actually plant that flag in the ground, my life changed instantly and forever. And that's when I knew, okay, I was, I was not doing this for out of fear. And now that I'm doing it, I'm being supported in ways I never thought were possible. And I can tell you, like literally last night, I was on a call with a couple of guys and 109 people. And I got off that call and I went downstairs and told my partner, Katie, like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm 45 years old. At 40, I thought I know what I was doing. At 38, I thought I knew what I was doing. At 25, I was a mess. At 30, I was a mess. At 35, I kind of thought I had it figured out. Now I know, like at least for this chapter, I'm on point. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that was a long answer to a short question. No, that's okay. <laughs> and you said something that uh, in that, that um, when you talked about being in integrity, and that was one, one part of the book that really nabbed me. Um, and I'd like for you to tell the listeners a little bit more about what you mean 
by that. Sure. Even though a lot of the, the my listeners are men, there are some women who listen as well. Sure. And that's something that is applicable across both genders. Sure. So what do you mean by living in integrity, in your integrity? That's why I like Sh- to express it. Yeah, sure. It, to me, it's it's there's a simple definition, but yet there's depth to the definition. And the simple definition is, are your thoughts, your words, and your actions all in alignment? So to give you an example, if I think, wow, I want to get in shape. And so I tell you and all my buddies like, hey, I want to get in shape. I'm going to start going to the gym. But then at 6 a.m. when that alarm goes off, I'm like, meh, maybe tomorrow. And I hit the, turn it off and I go back to bed. I'm out of integrity. I can also think, hey, I really want to get in shape. And I can get up in the morning and I can go to the gym, but I can tell you, you know what? Like, I don't really care about this. I don't care about how I look. I don't care about being strong. I don't care about fitness. I'm out of integrity. Or even I can tell you, hey, Jason, I'm going to get in shape. And I go to the gym every morning. But when I leave, I'm like, you know what? You're disgusting. You're weak. You're a piece of shit. You look like shit. You're never going to get in shape. I don't even know why you're coming here. Then I'm also out of integrity. So in integrity, that's the, the like, you know, textbook definition with some explanation. But here's why I think it's super valuable. When you are in alignment with your deepest truth and your deepest integrity, your life becomes very clear. It doesn't become easy, but it becomes clear and it becomes more simple, right? if, If I'm, when thought word action is in alignment, I don't have to worry about what I'm doing. I don't have to worry about what I'm saying. It's like, it's like if I have three friends, and all three of us are on point to, to accomplish one goal. Man, that's a powerful team. But if we have one dude who's like, eh, I just got drunk this morning, so I'm not really here. You're like, well, shit, we, we need you. You're like, you, there isn't one of these that's more important than the other. We can't just have like, uh, like, I remember my high school swim coach saying, everybody on this team is the quarterback. If one of you is missing, none of us do well. And so thought, word, and action, I would say the same thing. They're all equal players. And when you really do get to the root and how deep of like, man, this subtle thing that I just said, that's out of integrity. That's not in alignment with who I am, right? That's not in alignment with this goal. That will derail the whole thing, right? If I sit in the parking lot at the gym and I'm like, I don't even know why we're doing this. This is stupid, right? That That is as negative or as toxic as not going. A lot of people are like, doesn't matter as long as the actions are there. I disagree when you get down to the real depth. And especially if we're talking about relationship, you said there's both men and women on this call. I'm like, how deep does your integrity go in your relationship? Are you being authentically you? Does your partner know your deepest desires? Do they know your deepest goals? Do they know your challenges? Have you shared your pain and past with them? Do they know who, are you fully expressed? That to me is an obsession. I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but I remember reading the Tao of Jeet Kune Do as like a 15 year old, Bruce Lee's first book. And all he talked about was expression. And I was like, I just want to learn how to punch. (laughs) Now at 45, I get it right? Like when you are in that, that book I wrote with 100% integrity, that's why it punches people in the face, yeah. right? It's so potent because I've gotten rid of everything that was keeping it from being potent. 
all the apology, all the fear of if people would like it or not, all the like, should I say this? Should I not say this? Is this my ego really talking here? Is this my deepest desire to come through? So for guys listen, for everyone listening to this, most people I know want to be more potent. They want to be more effective, right? I want to say, I want to have you get a feeling from what I say in 10 words, as opposed to 500 words, especially as a writer or an artist. So when I get rid of the ancillary bullshit and I can just say, Jason, integrity is this, just that definition. Integrity is when thoughts, words, and actions are in alignment. That's a potent sentence. If I made that like a seven minute diatribe, it was like, and, and sometimes it's this, and maybe sometimes it's that, and sort of, it could also be this, right? Like, you know, people that speak that way. I know people who live that way. Yeah. That's why integrity is important. And I think that's a good disclaimer for your book. Um, you know, <laughs> it's in that there were definitely parts of it where I, I, I mean, I, I step kind of look back from it, like, wow. I mean, he, went straight there. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of other writers would be like, let me be really careful how I get to this, this offensive point. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use the term offensive because you know, sure. there are parts of that book that are going to offend people. hundred percent. Maybe they should be offended. Mm -hmm. They should be bothered. They should be sure. upset by what it is you're saying. And you're right that I appreciated that directness because a lot of the work that you do in Man Uncivilized is the kind of work that men need. We need someone who says, hey, cut the shit out. Right. Listen to me. We're not going to we're not going to go around and around and around. This right. is exactly what you need to hear right now. Right. If you don't want to hear it, walk away. Just 100%. walk away. I mean, you know, so um, I think that kind of it, it's it, another expression that you use is that, you know, head, heart and balls. Mm -hmm. You talk about that in the book, that that's mm -hmm. that men need to be connected to their head, connected mm -hmm. to their heart and connected to their balls. And that's sure. one of the ways that they stay in integrity. You know, sure. you're connected to those three things. And like you said, if one is out of alignment, then the other two are going to be struggling as well. Right. And you know, it, you know how exhausting it can be for someone to wonder, well, I'm not really in integrity with this group of people, but that's okay as long as this group of people doesn't know. You know, as long as this person doesn't find out, you know, that I'm out of integrity when I do this thing, then it'll be okay. That just gets exhausting. I mean, it really, really does. So um, what would you say, I know this is a tough question, right now in, in 2021, what would you say is the number one challenge that, that men face? Mm. Uh, I would say it's, it's a couple fold. So first is distraction. There's, there's never been more of a pull on our time, you know, and I even, and I have a cell phone, right? I have an iPhone. It has apps on it. I turn all the notifications off. Like it's, it's, it's as minimal as it can be. And yet I will know that there are times when I literally want to go open an app and then four pops up, pop-ups come up. Or like I'm in somewhere and they want to know if I want to connect to the Wi-Fi, right? It's like the number of steps that get put between me and my goal every day have been exponentially larger since I was, since 10 years ago, right? Driving down the street is far different experience now with a phone than it was 10 years ago. Just waking up. What did we used to do? Go downstairs, pee, make some coffee, get dressed and go to work. 
Now, what do most people do? Turn their phone on. And they may have hundreds, like my phone, I will get hundreds of messages a day across different domains. That is so distraction. And I would say distraction, I'm going to add a little bit more of like a sinister twist to it. Distraction away from your purpose and distraction away from your heart. So men have got to be programmed in a Western, in a civilized paradigm to not feel think about this. Think of how many messages there are of like, we need more sensitive men. We want more vulnerable men. Bullshit. As a society, if men felt, then it would be real hard to convince us to kill people. And it would be real hard to convince us to die for shit. So society does not want us feeling yet. We then come home to a personal relationship, a marriage, a friendship, a partnership, whatever, a father, son, a father, uh, children, and we're required to do something that we've spent our lives being conditioned away from. So I think that's also a big piece. You know, 20, 2020 knocked a lot of men over because suddenly they couldn't provide. They couldn't make the money. They couldn't do the job. They couldn't go outside. They couldn't ex express themselves in the way they want to express themselves. And so I have utmost empathy and compassion for men right now because we are still the doers, Jason. We are required to do. And I'm not saying that women don't have things that they have to do, but our main job is doing. We don't look like the most exalted man in the world isn't just a really nice guy, but he doesn't do shit. Like, well, but he's really sweet. He's really caring. He's really smart. No, like we want to know who does shit. That's what's required of us. So I'd say the number one challenge again is distraction away from purpose and distraction away from feeling. Those two, you take that and you have a recipe for depression, anxiety, addiction, violence, acting out, whatever it may be. Because when a man knows what he's here for, I know my mission. My mission is to create a movement of a million men who express the primal and the divine. I've said that 5,000 times. From 5 a.m. when my alarm goes off or I wake up till midnight when I go to bed, I know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Yes, there are periods when I lose that. I'm like, I don't know what to do today. Or like, do I focus on marketing? Do I write? Do I go outside? Do I do push? Like, what do I do? But yet I know why I'm here on earth. But for a lot of men, they don't know. So they just wander or they give up, right? They lie down and die. They just try to numb themselves. They just try to get through the day. And then two, the vacuity of feeling of holy shit. I've asked thousands of men, how do you feel? And thousands of men have looked me right in the eye and said, I have no fucking idea because no one's ever asked me this before. And I know why. I just explained why. But when men start to feel and they start to get on point and on purpose, everything in their lives changes and they become dangerous, dangerous to a system that tries to control them. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Just look outside. It's not that hard to figure out. We need men to work. We need men to obey. We need men to enforce obeying. If we had free thinkers, everybody just stopped doing what we were told, man, we would have a very, very different society. So I think those are the two biggest challenges facing men right now. And I know that, that, that one of the biggest aspects of Man Uncivilized is connecting men to the primal and the divine. And that just, yeah. you know, that speaks to what you were just talking about, that, that our, our desire to do things 
and to make a difference in the world. That's that very primal drive, that mm-hmm. forward motion that men have. You know, we mm-hmm. want to make a difference. We want to lead our families. We want to lead our communities. Um, you know, and then the divine is that connection to our heart, to mm-hmm. our soul, to our spirit, to mm-hmm. our desires, our wants, the things that we love. Um, and when those two things are combined, like you just said, I mean, that, that creates a very powerful man. You know, the reason he has that primal need to, to do is because of what's in his heart, because mm-hmm. of what he's feeling. And you're right. There are a lot of men, lots of men who have gotten disconnected from one or the other. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you, you put up two paradigms. You talk about the old Marlboro Man paradigm, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. that image of masculinity that a lot of people think of, the cowboy hat, where, you know, riding the horse. But sure. then you have the, the sensitive new age nice guy mm-hmm. that's very in touch with his feelings, maybe too much in touch with his feelings. Mm-hmm. So he's super sensitive and super sweet. And like you said, everybody likes him, but what does he really do? Right. So, um, you know, you've created, you say in your book, a new paradigm, mm-hmm. a man who's connected to both, mm-hmm. connected to both the, you know, his primal and his divine. Yeah. And what, you know, can help make him a whole, a more holistic man. Sure. Being attacked into those two things. Um, you talk a lot about, uh, I just recently on your podcast, you actually interviewed the, the author of this book. Uh, the book was, uh, uh, no more Mr. Nice guy. Yeah. And in your book, you, you talk about the, the, the nice guy and sure. killing, killing <clears throat> the nice guy. Um, some of my listeners might be familiar with that, that terminology and what you mean by that, but I have a lot and probably don't. So sure. explain who the nice guy is and why he's, not really a nice yeah. guy. Sure, sure, sure. So it's so it's a term. I hope people hear this. Like I, I've had when I ran the course, kill the nice guy. I even had a number of men reach out and be like, "But I am a nice guy." And I'm like, "Cool, that's a lowercase n, lowercase g." I'm talking about a capital N, capital G. And so think about this. This is a very it's a codependent man. It's a man who isn't a man who's more afraid of his masculinity than he is in touch with it. It's a man who only lives in his heart and doesn't have any connection to his balls. This is a guy who's afraid of life. This is a guy who is afraid of stepping into his own power. This is a man who says, I don't want to upset anybody. So I'll try to do what everybody tells me. As opposed to, hey, here's why I'm here. I'm, I'm in my heart. This is, I'm, I'm here for service. I'm here to change the world or I'm here to change my community. You said, I'm here to lead my family. This is going to piss some of you off. That's okay. I'm not here to please everybody because we know that's impossible. What I am here though, I was incarnated in this body at this time for a purpose. Hopefully that purpose is service oriented in some capacity, right? That takes some backbone. That takes the willingness to get, to take some heat. I wrote about one of my early mentors. This was before I started the Year to Live project. I got on the phone with a a man named Scott Mann, who was a ex-lieutenant colonel in the army, the Green Beret for years and a brilliant public speaker. And he said, wow, you're going to piss some people off talking about like living the life you want to live before you die. Your new definition of success is how many arrows you wake up with sticking out of your back. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought like, wow, I'm going to upset people by talking about living a, a guided, like you're, the life you want to live. That's crazy. 
It's like anytime you go against the system, you're going to get heat. Now, if we come back to the nice guy, he is terrified of conflict. This guy is a chameleon. This guy will change. Like, so I'm talking to you and you're a Trump supporter. I'm like, yeah, I love Trump. And then I talk to my buddy who's a Biden supporter. I'm like, oh, fuck Trump. I love Biden. Or, hey, I love the Yankees to the Yankees fans. Like, oh, I love the Red Sox, the Red Sox fans. This is a man who doesn't have his own beliefs or, or has them, but is afraid to express them. And now where this gets troublesome is in romantic relationship. Because inevitably, you're gonna, it's going to lead to the lack of like a, rela- a real healthy relationship has some conflict. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have seen like I used to work in Hollywood in my 20s. And I remember seeing like the big producers and the big time actors coming into talent agencies and they'd have this team of minions around them who were just just like the yes men, we called them. And, And intuitively, everybody listening to this call intuitively knows that if someone agrees with every single thing you say all the time, there's something going on, right? Like I pay seven people to work for me. If they agree with me all the time, I'm going to be like, hey, this isn't okay. All my ideas aren't that great. Like I hired you guys because I need you to tell me like, hey, that's, that's probably not the smartest thing we can do, or we can do this better. So in relationship, like no one, I don't want a slave. I don't want like a, like a, a concubine. I don't want my partner to just be like, yes, what you say is brilliant. You're a genius. Oh my God, that was the greatest idea in the world. Nope, you can never be wrong. I'm like, fuck, what are we doing? There's, there's no tension. There's no tussle. There's no exchange of energy. And for women, when a man won't stand up to her with his heart open, she doesn't trust him. Like it's a cliche term, but if he won't stand up to her, how will he stand up for her? Right. Right. And so, and that's, we can, we can replace her with the world. If he won't stand up to the world, if he won't stand up to criticism, if he won't stand up to conflict, how is he going to stand for anything? This man has no rigidity. He has no, rigidity is not the right word. He has no solidity, right? He's only okay if everyone around him is okay. So he spends all of his time making sure everybody else is okay. But inevitably, Jason, what ends up happening, it's, it's, it's inevitable, he will fall apart because yeah. his own needs aren't being met, right? It's just, it doesn't fucking work. It just doesn't work. And so this man becomes a danger because if he can't get his needs met directly, he will get them met sideways where he will get them met in a shadow expression, right? And that's when we see all the acting out, all of the addiction, all of the violence, all of the sexual exploitation. We see it in the shadows. We don't see it in direct communication. Here, here's the nice guy. The nice guy is afraid of risk. Mm-hmm. He just won't take a risk, right? So he's not going to tell his boss, like, I think this is a terrible idea. I realize you're my boss which is very different than being like, you're a dummy, this is dumb, right? Or telling your partner like, hey, you know what? I'm not really happy with the last way we communicated. I would really appreciate it if when we disagree, we end with the coming together afterwards, right? Like that's a risky statement. If you're afraid of being yelled at, if you're afraid of further conflict, but leadership, as you know, everybody listening to this who's ever been in a leadership position, you got to take some heat. 
Like you're going to take some heat. People are going to disagree with you. People aren't going to like your decisions. And it's your willingness to listen to them and hear them, but also say, hey, this is how I feel and this is what we're going with. That requires some backbone. It requires some balls, right? And if a guy isn't willing to stand up to the world, I'm going to say it again. How can he build anything? How can he change? How can he lead? How can he inspire? I would love to give you the full litany of shit I have gotten in the past two years after publishing a book about men, right? Everything you can think of that if I wasn't willing to deal with, I never would have published the book. And then the thousands and thousands and thousands of men and women's lives who have been changed would never have been changed. And I'd just be a dude sitting in an office like doing other shit. Right. So to me, that's the, 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 the opportunity cost yeah. of the nice guy is you don't bring your magic into the world. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't bring your art into the world. You don't bring your message. You don't bring your passion. You don't bring whatever it is that you're here for. Like you, you're doing this podcast, right? If you were afraid that like, I can't do a podcast because maybe somebody won't like it, which I got to tell you, someone's not going to like your podcast. It's just part of the deal right? But it's part and parcel. Yeah. But if you were like, no, I can't do it because of that, that would be how a nice guy would approach something like this. That all makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, even in, in shifting gears for what I'm doing this month, um, you know, I'm kind of changing the tone of the podcast a little bit. I, I almost backed out on that, but, and I almost didn't send you a message to request you to be as a guest and all the other men that I've talked to almost didn't send them a message to request them as guests because I knew that it would be a tonal change that some of my listeners, they're going to be jarred by it. Mm-hmm. and maybe they'll stop listening. I, sure. I don't know, but maybe they'll, it'll, you know, they'll get something out of it. That's what really matters is that, that I, you know, I have this idea and I'm going forward with it. Yeah. You know, because I, it, it was on my, my heart and my, and my mind to do right. it. So, and um, you took a risk. Right. You, you reached out to me. That was a risk. Like a nice guy wouldn't do it or it would have been super passive aggressive about it. Hey, you know, it'd be really lovely if maybe sometime is sort of kind of we could like have a conversation and then I accidentally recorded it. Like that's how a nice guy would have approached this interview as opposed to, hey, I know you're busy and I would love to have you on. I'm taking the risk. I could say no. And you're like, oh, man, now I have to deal with rejection or just realize part of the game. But to a nice guy, that rejection is death. He's afraid of that, like, will actually leave. This means I have no value, right? If I had said no, you would have gone on with your day. You might have been like, oh, that sucks. But you, you wouldn't be lying in bed two weeks later, like, oh, I just can't do it today, right? That's, that's the nice guy. Doesn't have any solidity behind him or underneath him. So he won't, he won't, he won't risk rejection. And, and for most listeners to know what you really mean when you say that the nice guy becomes dangerous is, is because there's so much manipulation mm-hmm. behind his actions. There's so much of, um, you know, you, you talk a little bit about, and Robert Glover writes about covert contracts. Mm-hmm. Well, why the hell aren't these people doing what for me, what I've done for them? You know? and, and often he won't ask. He's, not, he's afraid to ask. Like you said, sure. risky. It's risky to ask. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, nice guy still expects mm-hmm. his needs to be met. Mm-hmm. And so 
there's either a lot of resentment or a lot of manipulation to try to get his needs met instead of asking directly. So, you know, so sure. what I, you know, thinking, man, I've been listening to Traver's podcast for like a year and a half. I read his book. I tell everybody about it. Why the hell hasn't he asked to be on my podcast? <laughs> but, you know, asking you, right. directly asking you is- That's yeah. the covert contract. Right. And so if you, and then you didn't ask me, but you're so resentful every time I have an episode come out. And so what do you do? You go to a bar and you have a couple of drinks and then you're fucking pissed. And then someone bumps into you and you beat the shit out of them. And at no point would we say, wow, do you know why he beat the shit out of that guy? Because of a podcast. But we could actually draw the line back if we took a mile back view and go, oh, you're resentful. Mm-hmm. Resentment is such a powerful idea. It's like a grain of sand in your jock. For the first day, eh, it's an irritation. A month later, like you got a bloody sack and there's a problem. So when, we, when, we, when I hear about like big violent actions, school shootings, people shooting, shooting up supermarkets, domestic violence, I'm like, okay, what was the need that wasn't met? that led to the resentment that led to the buildup of the resentment, which led to the explosion. Right. And in men, when we, when this, the most common way this is acted out is sexually. Mm-hmm. So I have a partner. I want to have sex with her. I'm afraid if I say like, Hey babe, let's do it tonight. And she goes, Oh, I don't really want to. Then I risk that rejection. So I don't ask. I just hang out and I do all kinds of nice shit for her. I make the bed, I mow the lawn, I walk the dog, I, I like I, I buy her stuff and I'm just sitting there waiting like, when is she going to say it? When is she going to say it? But she doesn't. So I get resentful. So what do I do? I fuck my secretary mm. or I jerk off to porn five times in a day or I start down that wormhole. I'm lying. There's secrets. I will get my needs met. Humans get their needs met no matter what. There's no, we're getting our needs met, but we either do it in the light up front or we do it in the dark on the side. So that's where I look at like, oh, how many guys are having affairs? Cool. What's your relationship with honesty and your relationship with your, with resentment and your relationship with risking rejection, right? We will get our needs met period fucking period. Yeah, that's a very, that's an excellent point. Um, and so many men, unfortunately, struggle with that in that, you know, if you don't take the risk, if you don't ask, if you don't, um, you know, take action, whatever. And like I said, it's not about being a jerk. It's not about, you know, not at all. Ending that you no. need to met. But, you know, we, we, I think sometimes we try to be mind readers. You mm. know, we, we think we know what the other person is feeling and thinking. And so we mm. invent the story in our mind of, well, she's pissed off because of this. So then we feel pissed off. You know, we think it's our fault or, or it's her fault. You know, just right. so much he did it, she did it. Blame of the story that we create in our mind rather than facing the truth directly and asking directly, okay, why is the answer no? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for explaining that. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think it's me. I don't mm-hmm. blame myself and internalize it or I don't blame you and get resentful. You know, it's not your fault that you're exhausted because you worked all day. Now I understand because, you know, right, we right. talked about it. We've had a grown up conversation about right. it. And, and that's for me, a lot of times that's what I see is just, you know, with the, the almost the immaturity mm. that some men have with their emotions. Sure. You know, it's, it's that 
because they're not as in touch with them as they should be. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, we've talked about on the other side of that, maybe they're too in touch with it mm-hmm. and they feel, they feel everything. They feel mm-hmm. all, and they, and they want people to know what they're feeling all the time. And they want to be connected to what everybody else is feeling. Mm-hmm. And they're so worried about who else, who's feel. I don't want to hurt her feelings or hurt his feelings, or I don't want to make my boss mad or make my mm-hmm. coworkers mad or make people think I'm weird. It's too much about feeling. Mm-hmm. No, because sometimes, as you've said, we've got to be connected to that primal of, mm-hmm. well, that's important, but I got things to do. Sure. <laughs> you know, I've got things to do. Yeah. Um, and that's why I appreciated the directness of, of your book and the Thank directness you. of your message, because there is no like, well, let's just let, like I've said before, let's circle around all of this and then maybe get to the point. You're like, no, we need to talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. And if any of my listeners decide to follow you on Instagram, like they'll see that many of your posts, like you'll say, all right, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you've had a few posts. That's the first thing you've said at the beginning. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Yeah, we do. Um, and so many of the people that that you are also connected to, that that I'm connected to, or that I've met through, uh, you know, your podcast interviews, I know people like uh, Long Distance Love Bombs and Mike Campbell and Mark Groves, um, you know, Rainier Wild, those guys are fantastic. Mm. And in much the same way, they are the kind of men like you who will tell you directly, this mm-hmm. is not okay. Here's what we're going to do about it because we care about you too much to let this continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, my answer to the question about what I think one of the number one problems with men now is that we are, we're so lonely. Mm. <laughs> you know, and we may not literally be alone, although in 2020, many of us were alone, sure. at least alone in that we're disconnected from our brothers, mm-hmm. from our fellow men, men who are also dealing with the same struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, one of the good things about social media is that it does allow you to get connected to men who are struggling like you, if you know how to find the ones that are open and honest. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I'm really glad that I found you. <laughs> I'm really glad that I, you know, I've read your book and I love that you still have the lofty goal of a million men. You know, yeah. you could have said a thousand, you could have said a hundred thousand, but nope, mm-hmm. you're like, nope, a million. And then once yeah. I reach a million, maybe it's five million, you yeah. know, maybe it's 10 million. Yeah. And just real quick, because I know we're kind of getting short on time here, but um, sure. tell my listeners a bit about the uh, in uncivilized movement and for mm-hmm. the men who are listening how they can get connected, how they can find you. And if they're interested in reading your book, where they can find information about that. Beautiful. You know, Jason, I started this for men, right? It was a men's movement. And then very quickly, uh, I realized, one, there are as many women who are dealing with the same flavor of challenge as men are, just a different iteration of it. And so it became this kind of international idea of living a different way of having a different mindset, which would lead to different actions. But the first thing that was adopted and needed to be adopted was the mindset of living by an ethos, right? Of living by a code, which is super important for men and a certain group of women. And so really it was this idea of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna celebrate what's primal. And, and here's a different word for primal. It's what's fucking real. Like what is real? Right? We, we have all kinds of social con- constructs. We have all kinds of social contracts. 
We have all kinds of social ideas. We saw pretty handily in 2020 what was real and what wasn't real. We need food. We need shelter. We need health. At the like in a moment, all of the social juice can disappear. Whether you are a man or a woman, you need to know how to take care of yourself. You need to know how to create safety in your body, in your home, in your community. That it's just it's a necessity. We need that, the primal. What happens when the lights go out, the power goes off, the internet goes off, and suddenly you're on your own? That I don't think people need to spend. I'm not a prepper. Like I'm not, I don't have a bunker in my backyard, but I know how to get some food. I know how to shoot some animals. I know how to do some shit. I know how to protect myself. And I know the mindset that says I can get through hard things. I can get through challenges. I'm not going to look for other people to save me. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to look for other people to support me. And I'm going to look to support other people, but no one is coming to save me. And I can take that in the micro and go, cool, I need to have some cans of tuna in my house. And I can take it in the macro and say, I need to build something with my life. I want to leave a mark on this world. That's the, like, if you just hear the energy, it's like, it's primal, right? I'm here to fuck some shit up. I want to tap into that part of me. That's men, that's women. I need to understand and express strength. So that was part of it. The divine was, I need to feel. I need to understand that there is a whole other energy in the world, the feminine, that's soft, that's flowy, that's ever-changing. I need to know how to feel this as a human because it's like pretending that the sky doesn't exist is pretending that the feminine doesn't exist. So I need to be unapologetic in expressing that. I need to be unapologetic in expressing who I am and why I'm here. You will get asked to apologize for being who you are a thousand times a day when you step out of the collective consciousness and you start to build your own thing. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are in this family system? Who do you think you are in this community? Who do you think you are in this country? Right? You're going to be, at, fuck them. You're here to do what you want to do and to do what you are meant to do. So in, in essence, that, that became the movement, right? Like the thing behind me, the revolution will not be civilized. This was a revolution within people yeah. who looked at the world and said, wow, I don't want to get plugged into this machine. I don't want to 20 years from now be what 90% of people at that age will be broke, sick, uninspired, unhealthy, and miserable. That's m m and in debt. I don't want to be that. So if I don't want to be that, I need to play a different game. I need to plug myself into a different system. I need to leave the matrix and go over here, which is scary, where there's not that many people, which there's a lot of friction, but oh my God, these people are fascinating. These people are like me. So I wanted to create a place where people like me could come and be celebrated, could come and share struggles, could come and share ideas, could come really, Jason, and just identify as this, right? I am uncivilized. It became the mantra because I didn't want people to think, like I wanted people to not just identify with it. I wanted people to identify as it. Like, I'm not part of that team. I am that team. 
very different way of like, this is how I live. Right. So, so that's, that's what it was. And that's truly what it is. And now it's out of my hands. It's so much bigger than I thought it, it's, it's just, it's, it's blown up and it's become something that a lot of women are resonating with. Why? Because they look at the world and say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get kicked out of this machine 20 years from now, broke, sick, overweight, depressed, uninspired, unwanted, unhealthy, all the things. So shit, what do I do? Okay. You leave that whole paradigm. You don't think what they think. You don't eat what they eat. You don't act the way they act. You come over here and you live how we live and you'll get the results that we get because this isn't magic. It's one plus two equals three, right? If you follow the same actions as people who do what you want to do, you'll get the same results that they do. If you follow the mindsets, if you're in integrity, if you have boundaries, if you live by that code, you'll get those results. So that was the idea, and the idea is spreading. The uncivilized nation is particularly a group of men. Now it's a large group of men who are actually on the same team, even though we've split them into smaller teams. But it's, it's my, my community of men only who not only identify this way, but are active participants in a learning process, in a curriculum, in supporting each other, in celebrating each other. In, in learning from the experts that I bring in, from having the hard conversations. But again, brother, I'll tell you, it's about being in a paradigm of if you are part of this, then this is what's going to be required of you. This is how you're going to have to show up. And if you don't show up, this is how we're going to respond. And it's not militant. It's very loving, as you said. But recently, we have, we've had guys fall deeply out of integrity. And I've literally looked them in the eye and said, I fucking love you too much to allow you to flush your life down the toilet. So here's what's required of you. This is going to be hard. Here are consequences. I know you didn't expect to have guys surround you like this, did you? This is what it's like to be on a team. This is what it's like to be on a team. You don't get to quit. You don't get to fall behind and not have us go, hey, what's going on with you? Oh, you're struggling. Okay, why? Okay, cool. How do we support you? Okay, you've told us that you want to be here, but your actions aren't going to lead you here. So we're going to hold you to the highest version that you've put out. Not that we're projecting on you, but that you've put out. And we're going to ask you to do better. Yeah. And that combo, go go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. That's that's definitely something that more men need, (sighs) you know, for sure. Because, and you know, when we talked about the nice guy, that's something he's definitely lacking and something he's afraid of. For sure. He doesn't want those guy friends who are going to say, look, how you're living right now isn't working. We're going to hold you to the fire. We're going to hold you accountable. And you've said, and a lot of other people um, have said that when they talk about, you know, when they talk about like initiation, you know, initiating boys into becoming men, one of the things that needs to happen is it needs to happen with a group of men. Mm-hmm. You know, they, if you want to change your life, if you, if you are looking to get out of whatever rut you're in, you need, you know, if you're a man, you need other men in your life who will hold you to that, who will pull you out of that rut and not let you get back into it mm-hmm. and lay out, like you said, the, the consequences mm-hmm. of if this continues to happen, here's what's, here's what's going to occur you know, mm-hmm. th- without a doubt. Um, so it's incredible that you've built a movement of men that follow that that sort of paradigm. Like, you know, we're not militant. 
we're, we're a group of brothers who love each other mm -hmm. that won't allow one another to slip back into those bad habits that made us say, I can't do this anymore. Right. You no, know, they joined the nation because they were tired of the way things were going. 100%. So they expect their brothers to keep watch, to be their brother's keeper, which is something you talk about in the book as well, yeah. to be their brother's keeper and not let them slip back into that old life. Sure. hundred percent. That's incredible. Um, how can guys uh, who are interested in the nation learn more about it? Beautiful. Go to manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation. We're just going to manuncivilized.com and it's all over the homepage. Uh, my Instagram is at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. And I talk a lot about it there, but the nation is where I do my deepest work with those guys. There are things that I don't talk about publicly. There are messages that I don't spread publicly because they're not for the uninitiated. They're not for people who don't understand the paradigm, right? Like if I started publicly talking about how good it feels to choke people, people would be upset. Now, if I go to my jujitsu school and I talk about that, they're like, yeah, we get it. We understand the frame. We understand the paradigm. We understand that there's love here. We understand that you tap and get out. We understand that there's skill. So that's where I take the real deep conversation and the really big challenges. Like, hey guys, here's the challenge for the month. And it's where I ask those guys to celebrate. How many men do we know who literally don't have anyone to high five them? or who are threatened by that, right? I'll tell you, Jason, when I first started the Uncivilized Six, which was my little men's group here, one of the guys on the first night said, you know why I'm here? My life is so epic. I'm afraid if I share this with other people in my life, they'll leave. They won't understand me, right? Like how many people can you go to a group and say, hey, I just made $10 million today and not have one and have every single one of them be like, Oh my God, let us high five you. Let us hug you. Let us tell you how fucking awesome that is. Go get it. How many groups of people do you know where someone wouldn't be like, Oh wow. Well, I guess you're a rich snob now. Right. Or like you must've stolen, like whatever they'll project on you. So it's really a place of no judgment on the positive and the challenge, but both are equally important, right? Every Friday I have those guys list. What are your wins for the week? I want you thinking, oh my God, I had a really hard week, but I went to the gym, but I got a pay raise, but I had a hard conversation with my kid. I had a hard conversation with my partner. I had mind-blowing sex with my partner. I did my 50 push-ups that I said I'd do. Like just keeping those ideas in their heads so they're realizing like, wow, I am kicking ass. I am powerful. I am strong. I am making a difference. I am loving. I am empathetic. I am compassionate. Oh, I'm not just swimming in this sea of an abyss where none of this is recognized except maybe on my birthday. And if I have challenges, I'm just going to keep them to myself because who, no one's going to help me anyway. Guys are just going to tell me to get over it. Like that shit needs to end. So yeah. I agree that I, and I know I'm biased because I run a group, but I imagine there are very soon going to be two different groups of men, men who are doing men's work and are in men's groups and men who are not period yeah. fucking period. Just and like we can look at health. It's like there are guys who work out and eat well and guys who don't period fucking period. And they both live very different lives. For sure. Um, and if we look back to how much of a cultural shift there was, you know, when men used to have that, when they used to have, their friends and their brothers that 
lived nearby or were a phone call away, you know, and, and there wasn't just this surface level chit chat. It was, mm-hmm. all right, brother, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How can I help you? I- I'm mm-hmm. on my way. I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. tell a story of a, when you, after your divorce, you know, you called friends who didn't even live the same state as you. Mm-hmm. They hopped on a plane mm-hmm. and flew to see you. Right. And, you know, I think sometimes as men, we think I'm not asking my brothers to do that. Like sure. this is, there's no way I'm not going to ask them to upend their life to come help me with mine that's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with that and that sometimes we're afraid to reach out. And so we stay lonely or we stay alone. And if we're honest, sometimes when our brothers reach out, we might feel inconvenienced and be like, man, is he dealing with, ah, uh, I got my own problems. I, I don't know. And we think about it too much. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely takes effort and work and love this is why we need to be connected to our heart to be able to say i do have a lot of stuff going on right now but my brother needs me my friend Mm -hmm. needs me so i gotta use my resources to figure out how i can help him out Mm -hmm. um you know i'm fortunate i know you're fortunate to have enough friends i can count on like that and all of them are at different levels in terms of of their own life and their own resources so I know that if I'm struggling with this, this is the guy I can call. And he's mm-hmm. struggling with this. I'm the guy he can call, um, you know, but that requires, like you said, taking a risk, asking, speaking up, letting people know when you're struggling and what you're mm-hmm. struggling with and why you're struggling. And so all of my listeners can resonate with that, whether a man or a woman, you know, get friends in your life that you know you can connect with um, yeah. when you're struggling, when, when things are are not going great the ones mm-hmm. that you know will you know what can i do how can i help mm-hmm. so i love and the- invest in them man yeah like in- invest in that community we used yeah. to do this we invested in our communities and allow them to invest in you yeah allow them i have on a post-it note right in front of me a, a one of the guys in my group said i feel important when you ask me for help mm-hmm. and i was like holy what a, what a game changing sentence. Like I keep that on my desk as a reminder. He feels important when I reach out and say like, Hey, I have a problem. I'd love some help with. I'm giving him a gift and in return, getting one back. What a different shift of looking at things rather than like, I don't want to bother him. Right. I've invested in this man. And so he, it's a pleasure for him to invest back in me. And we've been, we've been conditioned away from this, Jason. We've been conditioned into our own little silos mm-hmm. of like, I'm alone. I'm the lone wolf. I can't ask for anybody's help. Like we just, it's just the way of the world right now. And yet we can go back just 50 years. I don't know. I was born in the seventies. I knew every kid on my block, right? Like we played together all the time. I'm still in commun- in communication with kids from when I was five. We didn't grow up on phones. We grew up like falling off bikes and falling out of trees. And that stuff to me is, is the answer to the question. Why are we so sick? Why are we so addicted? Why do we have an opiate problem? Why do we have an alcohol problem? Why do we have a porn problem? Why do we have a divorce problem? Why do we have a health problem? Like litany of health problems in this country. I'm not talking about being Amish here, folks. I'm talking about just knowing that if I fall, there's going to be hands to catch me. And if my brother falls, my hand will be underneath him or my sister falls because we are a community. We've just got to get back to that. 
no, no matter how we do it. I think COVID actually, as isolating as it made us, it also made us realize, wow, I need to know my neighbors. They need to know me. Yeah. You know, we, we need to like get back in touch with some people. Fuck this whole human connection thing. It's a real deal. We gotten conditioned to think like, oh, just our phones or just social media. It's not the way. We actually have to invest in each other. For sure. Yeah, that is absolutely right. And I, I love that the nation is growing and that you have, uh, you know, you have several different groups that meet uh, nationwide and some actually out of the U.S. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely um, making an impact. And that's wonderful that, that the that the group of men that 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 this message of, OK, so the, the way things have been going isn't working. Here's something different. Mm-hmm. See if it transforms your life. It will. And, and then, you know, talk to other guys about it. You know, right. if you've got buddies who are also struggling, give them a call. You know, talk to them about, hey, I tried this out. It's changed my life. You try this out. And it's just like you said, it's such a simple, not easy, but simple message in that we just need to be more connected to one another in the right kind of way. Mm-hmm. And more connected to our head and our hearts, you know, mm-hmm. to our to our primal and our divine, um, and that's 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 a whole different. It's a shift in paradigm. It's a shift in the way to live your life. Sure. And and, and it just shows why civilized society isn't working. It's you not. Know, some of it is just. I think a lot of it came crumbling down, like you said last year. It just. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that we had relied on and believed in as the way it was supposed to be was mm-hmm. really brought into question. Sure. You know? And I saw this as an educator, you know, when we had to do virtual school. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, teachers who had been neglecting technology for so long finally had to face up to their uh, dislike of it and learn and grow. as, And they did grow as an educator by working with something that they had been trying to neglect for so long mm-hmm. um and so that's just it's incredible i love that you've created this this movement that changes things that shakes Thank things you. up yeah <laughs> you know and, and in a good way that's what we need we really we need, need it. it to be shaken up and scrutinized um it's the kind of thing that got the, the best of philosophers in trouble right mm-hmm. 100 you know, really it, it got them in trouble it got some of them killed unfortunately but you know, to say, look, no, this isn't working. You know, it isn't right. working. Let's shake it up. Let's question it. Let's challenge it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, brother. I can't believe Thank it's been you. an hour that we've been uh, talking this. I've been looking forward to this for some time and I'm glad you. you agreed to, to be a guest. Um, and it's a pleasure talking with you. And I know that we'll connect and chit chat again some other time. Thanks. I wish you the best, brother. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. I'm Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lilypad podcast. For more information about our show and for notes about each episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Lilypad podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a follow on Spotify, or if you listen on Apple podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people learn about this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening.